everybody and welcome to save your sorry the podcast where we talk about the rise and fall of your favorite or rather least favorite celebrities i'm your host katrina rochelle here with my best friend and fellow co-host jose angel how are you today doing wonderful as always always wonderful to record oh living your life like it's golden okay and today we are discussing elizabeth finch are you familiar with the name that sounds familiar but no not really there's a lot of elizabeth's uh-huh. elizabeth's in this world but she's with an s what a <laughs> I'm already off of her. She's not a Z. No, which in my notes, it's all Z, but then looking it up, it is an S. Mm. But don't look her up. Okay, I'll look her up now. No, don't, because I feel like you do that sometimes. I never do. <laughs> Plus, okay. you, you can hear my loud-ass background. As soon as I start typing, it is very clear. <laughs> well, Elizabeth Finch is best known for being a writer on Grey's Anatomy in some of the later seasons. Oh, yeah, so this episode is going to be a little different, like uh, all of our episodes. <laughs> Where it's almost a truth is stranger than fiction episode. Okay, I am intrigued and interested to see what where this is going then. I am too, and that's why I'm glad you haven't heard of her. Okay. I got the majority of my information from Vanity Fair and The Inkler. And that's, like, the most chunk of information that, like, summarizes everything. Uh And it goes into a little bit more detail. So if you want to learn more after this episode, go check those out. But Elizabeth Finch was born in 1978. I could not find her exact birth date, but it's somewhere in early May, I believe. She's a clown. She's a goddamn clown. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Finch had a regular childhood that I could see. Growing up in New Jersey in a Jewish family with an older brother named Eric, her mom, Joan, who was a special education teacher, and her father, Robert. And Vanity Fair said he had a less solid career, which I think is a nice way of saying this man can't keep a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I saw in other articles that he was also a teacher. In high school, Finch started joining the theater program and writing her own plays. And it went well for her, but she really fell in love with the writing aspect of it. In college, Finch went to Carnegie Mellon. I don't even know if that's how pronounced. Where she majored in creative writing and professional writing and minored in drama. Sadly, (laughs) it, it is a lot. She is an achiever. Sadly, while there, Finch's mom, Joan, would be diagnosed with cancer. And Finch says their family became experts in pharmacology, wig designs, hip hospital lingo, and fashioning surreptitious means of throwing up in public. Mm. Joan would survive the cancer, but it did have a huge impact on Finch's life. Finch would later work with TV writer Rick Cleveland, and he has produced and wrote for shows like Nurse Jackie and Six Feet Under. Fucking love Nurse Jackie. Yeah, he has some big names under his belt. Side note, I did try to watch Six Feet Under. I got like three episodes in and i haven't revisited it since no side note side note the ending of six feet under was the first <laughs> episode i watched and it's also the first episode of nurse i watched i know and i hate that that you did it like that but why how did you we'll talk about it some other no, time I'll, I'll just mention it now <laughs> okay how did you watch six feet under's last episode first okay my mom was watching i was still living at home as a teenager or something and, you know, we would always, like, watch TV together or a movie together. And 
she was just watching Six Feet Under and it was the finale and I happened to watch it too. Damn. But that's where the Sierra, the Breathe Me song. Yeah. And my mom like for weeks was like, it's the breath song. She goes, ah, at the beginning. <laughs> like, okay. Dang. That's some lore for you. Okay. Uh-huh. A little Jose lore. Yeah, because you love you some Breathe Me. I do. Hey, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but shout out to her, my mother. She loved it first. <laughs> okay, but shout out. So Finch was Rick Cleveland's assistant. And when Rick's mother got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, Finch already had been through this and being Rick's assistant, she did all the research for his mom's cancer. Mm. Also, Rick's friend's wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And Finch helped out the wife and friend again. It was something she understood, something that she had lived with. Mm-hmm. And Finch's good deeds paid off because Rick Cleveland would introduce her to Alan Ball, who is the creator of True Blood, where Finch would become a junior writer. And I mean, those are two pretty big shows. Yeah. I've or True re- Blood's a really big show, yeah. Yeah, I definitely recognize the Alan Ball, his name. So I used to watch True Blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, okay. Junior writer. Shit, that's where I said networking. It'll pay off. Good beads and networking. You do good things, good things happen. Yes, for the most part. Well, sometimes. <laughs> Just believe. <laughs> I know. I try to tell myself that. Finch would write about her own dealings with cancer on a site called Fresh Yarn. Finch wrote about her mother's diagnosis and how it led her to get genetically tested to see if she had BRCA gene mutation. It turns out she did, and how she phrases it is, she could tell the doctor wanted her to try, but she didn't. And that sort of became her writing style when writing about cancer as a defiant woman not letting the cancer get to her and being an advocate for herself because women need need to be heard more in the hospital setting and their pain is not taken seriously, which isn't, which is hundred percent, a hundred percent, especially Crazy. women of color, which Finch is not, but it's, but that's like a whole nother story within a story. Yeah. yeah. And while I did not read her cancer articles, it, that is how it is described. And I saw short passages and it seems to fit like, honestly, it fits like a Grey's Anatomy writing. So it's no surprising she ends up there, but yeah. that was her time before Grey's. Finch would also write a play called Return to Sender. And the play is about an ex-military guy returning home, and he has PTSD and ends up stalking his girlfriend. Okay. Wait. Yeah. Stalking his girlfriend? Not his ex? ex-girlfriend. It's ex-girlfriend. Oh. Yeah. I would say that's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was thinking, hey, baby, I'll see you after work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just thinking. He drops her off and then just says, okay, let's park and pulls out the binoculars. <laughs> which is unfortunate to joke about because there are some crazy people out there who do probably just that. Yeah, if only a stalking was that harmless. I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, pretty bizarre situation, but it was a situation ripped right from Finch's life. Oh, shit. Finch claims the play was about herself and an ex-boyfriend, which they always say, write what you know, and I guess that's just what she knows. Mm-hmm. In 2012, she starts writing for the Vampire Diaries, and she has been described as meek in the writing room. And one thing I cannot stand. Damn, they didn't even say nothing about her talent. But like, <laughs> she's talented, but meek or shy. 
I, yeah, that bitch meek. I cannot stand the word meek. Yeah, it doesn't I think it has any warmth to it or any sort of positive connotations, I don't think. No, it's it's an insult. And I've heard people say it like regular, like, oh, they're just a little meek. But like, I feel like it's calling someone like a little mouse. Yeah. And not in a, f- I don't know, actually, being called a mouse is not affectionate. I don't like that. But I know people do use that as an affectionate term. <laughs> and while writing for Vampire Diaries, Finch had to have knee replacement surgery, which would lead to discovery of her cancer. She had, I, I practice how to say this, so let's see how it comes out. Okay. Chondrosarcoma. Uh, she had chondrosarcoma. Do you know what that is? I do not, but... It's, it's a very rare form of cancer, bone cancer. It's all fucked up, shit. Yeah, and she had a tumor in her spine that needed immediate chemotherapy or she risked paralysis. Yeah, spine is no joke. And Finch would tell her family about her cancer and she looked visibly sick. She had lost weight, she lost her hair, she wore a bandage over her chemo port, and the family still lived in New Jersey. Finch lived in California. While they wanted to help her, they said she didn't want that. She felt like it would be too overbearing if they came and she was... And they were helping her deal with it. She just wanted to be independent. And her brother, Eric, was a doctor. And he offered to speak to her doctors about her medical treatment. But again, Finch didn't want that help. She had been through this with her mother and two more times. And now it seems like while she was on the other side of this situation, her being the one having cancer, she felt like she could handle it. Yeah. Unlike, you know, everybody else she helped. She's like, I'm okay. Yeah. Which is like kind of you have to like walk this fine line of letting somebody have their space and doing it in their their self and like trying to still be there as background support so they don't feel completely abandoned. But I guess you got to take the person's word for it if they 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 if they feel like they can handle it they can. But shit. Yeah, and they, they said close. she. You said what? I said stay close to them. Oh uh, yeah. She, they said like she would travel home on like big birthdays or something. But other than that, they, you know, she was living her life in California. They were in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And when Krista Vernoff took over as showrunner for Grey's Anatomy, she had a blind reading where writers would submit their writing for a job. And the person who had the most in common with Krista's vision of how she wanted the show's direction to go in, they would stay. Okay. Sadly for Finch, she did not make the cut. Oh, goddamn. Yeah. And so is this like a pe- people who have already been hired on? And it's like, oh, yeah, everybody who's cool gets to stay and the bad ones go? Or is this like an audition type of process? I think it was more of an audition type of process. Because this is when Krista first took over. Okay. So she wasn't working there yet. She was just trying to see. Yeah, she was trying to. You mean Finch? Yeah, Finch. Yeah. yeah. She was just trying to see if she could get on. All right. So Krista was like, you know, you got to go. But then someone discovered an article she wrote about her cancer and asked Krista to reconsider. And Krista did. And Finch was allowed to stay. Which, yay, Finch. Yay, and- Finch, question mark. <laughs> so, th- I, and th- that that was a vague story. So I hate to ask, was she reconsidered because of the cancer? Or because of the cancer store rewriting? I think the writing. 
then why did they not mention that? (laughs) (laughs) It was the writing in the article about her cancer. So she knows how to write about it, I guess. I don't know. Ask Krista. Exactly. (laughs) Krista and and the the secret person. And... Finch would seem to be getting sicker with the chemo, still losing weight, wearing scarves because she lost her hair. Her skin had a sickly look to it, and she even loses a kidney. Oh, damn. And at times, she would have to run out of the room, the writing room, to vomit. And they're like, just go home. It's fine. But she's like, this is something I'm living with, so I'm just here to work, so I'm going to work. She's just going through it. She's trying to power through it, but she's going through it. Exactly. And also... Finch was no longer described as meek. She was striving in the Gray's writer's room. In 2016, the first patient with chondrosarcoma would be written into Gray's Anatomy. And in 2018, Debbie Allen's character, Catherine, was diagnosed with chondrosarcoma. Mm. Finch had this to say about this. Quote, I wanted to say no. A big, fat, super empathetic, though ever polite no. I said yes because Shonda once wrote me an email where she told me, love yourself more. And when Shonda says something like that, you listen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The good thing about that also is that, like, with her dealing with that or dealt with that, is that she has firsthand knowledge where, you know, okay, you know how, like, show writers and all these people try to, like, diversify their characters, but because their writer's room is just so not diverse, uh, it just comes off uh, uninformed or hollow and stuff like that. When you write about things that your writers deal with or can uh, identify with, it makes the storytelling a lot more better and believable. And you get to show a bigger population of of the world about a smaller population that exists. Exactly. And And as well as you say, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. And as well as you saying that in the Gray's writing room, she wasn't meek. It seems like also she might have like took this diagnosis like she's dealing with this on her own. She's also going to like not let this define her career and she's going to speak up more. Yeah. And I personally don't know how I would feel about my medical and personal details used for a show. But Finch was a writer and that's what she's on an expert on and it's it's working for her. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I would at least hope that if she did say no, that they would have consider her position and went another way but uh at least she did have give her consent on like the storyline happening yeah and so at this point her hair is growing back she's living with cancer it's manageable she's starting to look better and it's just something she's got to live with like she's gonna have to do chemo and live with it Mm -hmm. um when Brett Kavanaugh was being nominated for Supreme Court, Finch made yeah. a <laughs> Finch made a now this video where she talked about having to have an abortion because of her cancer. Yeah. You know, just doing one of those kind of PSA videos. Mm. In October 2018, the Tree of Life synagogue would suffer a tragedy. Eleven people were killed by a shooter. The Tree of Life synagogue was in Pittsburgh, where Finch went to college, and she knew one of the victims. Finch claims she helped clean up the remains of her friend's body to be in accordance with Jewish customs of burying the body completely within 24 hours. After the shooting, Finch experiences PTSD. If anyone in the writer's room mentions gun or even the word shot, like, you know, their pitch had been shot down. 
Finch yeah, would, that's she horrifying. would visibly wince. Finch would also create a storyline for the character Joe Wilson about being the product of rape. She says the story was based on a friend's story that she knew. Because of the shooting, Finch would take six weeks off entering a clinic or a rehab that dealt with it. And while there, Finch would meet a woman named Jennifer Byer. Jennifer was dealing with her own set of issues, but when Finch arrived, it helped Jennifer's process of healing, and they soon became roommates because they got along so well. And Finch would go by the name Joe while there because she didn't want it to get out, you know, that there that she was there. Mm-hmm. Like she's not really a name that you know, but if they say Elizabeth Finch, Grey's Anatomy writers here. You know, yeah, people are hear I get it. it. You don't you don't even give people the chance to dig. Exactly. And Finch would have some memories, like repressed memories come up while she was there about her brother from childhood abusing her and tormenting her. And she claims that her brother put her through these things and he was very good at terrorizing her, but not enough to leave a mark. Huh. And she says she tried to tell her parents when she was little, but they weren't listening. And now it was all coming back. And when Joan and Robert came to visit, she told them again. After leaving the rehab facility, Finch and Jennifer would remain close friends, even though they lived in separate states. They would visit and text nonstop. In September 2019, Finch had to leave from Grey's Anatomy again, saying there had been an emergency. And she wrote this email. Hey, all. I've been absent and coming back tomorrow. I just don't know who's looped into what, and I'd rather put it out there so no one is in the dark or feeling aged Shelley. I've gone because my brother died by suicide. He was on life support for a short while, but ultimately did not survive. I say this not because I need or want anything from anyone. I'm not a delicate flower or whatever. I just want people to know I'm still here. Still part of the team. I intended to just power through my episode shoot, but I recognize I need to take a bit of time away to process. Missed y'all, Finchy. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Um, can we? Uh, is is the death going to be clarified? Am I confused, rightfully, or am I stupid? So, the brother's death. Yeah. Finch would tell people once she got back, since her brother Eric was a doctor, he knew how to shoot himself without killing himself so he did that on purpose because finch was bringing up all these past allegations Mm -hmm. he shot himself was put on life support and finch was the one who had to decide to pull the plug really not the parents yeah that's what finch is saying she described it as a final act of vindictiveness making her pull the plug again a lot of this was pulled from her life story and used on the show as some of Joe Wilson's plot points, the character Joe. Oh. Okay. Joe having to go to a clinic and unplug her abusive ex husband from life support. Wow. This is yeah. a lot. It, it is a lot. So let's fast forward a bit. She signed off Finchy. <laughs> <laughs> she she does go by Finchy. That's that's for some reason that's sticking out to me. I just <laughs> Could I sign off on my nickname talking about one of my family members' suicide? And I'm not blaming or saying anything. I'm just saying. It Maybe just that's it like- confounds me. I'm not it just other people just deal and say things in just different ways. But if you always would buy a nickname, wouldn't it be weird to change it? Like, okay. Yesterday, a whole bunch of people who I knew 
have unfortunately passed. Best regards, Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> Real <Okay>. ones, no. <laughs> so, now I just want to circle back real fast. <laughs> I would, my nickname in my family has been JoJo. Uh-huh. And I think if I was in a place with certain <laughs> friends call me Joe or Jojo, if I was this like at work though, these are your coworkers, you know. Oh, that's true. Your too. colleagues. Yeah. I don't know how the environment was. Yeah. But let's fast forward a bit on Finchie's no, let's circle back. birthday. <laughs> let's recircle. Okay, on I'm her, sorry. On her forty-fourth birthday in two thousand twenty-two, she did a call from a number she didn't know. And it's her birthday, so she just assumes it was going to be someone wishing her happy birthday. On the other side of the line was a reporter asking her for a comment about a story that was coming out that could be damaging to her career. Oh. My. God. Finch said, now is not a real good time, and hung up the phone. Oh, bitch, Elizabeth, you can't outrun the <laughs> press. They gonna catch up with you. And Finch bought herself tickets to a play called Suffs. And she was not missing that. She goes to play, turns off her phone, and oh. when she exits the play, everything has changed. Also, just before you get into the downfall, which I am so excited to hear, <laughs> I know I'm a piece of shit because I was about to say when the phone rang, I was about to say it was her brother. That's. <laughs> I thought this was about to be one of those weird ass because you said Stranger Than Fiction. I was like, oh my god, are we about to do paranormal guest shit? Uh... I mean, guest shit, ghost shit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm disrespectful. I apologize. Let's go back to the story. Breaking news. She turns her phone back on. And the calls, the emails, the messages, and the article are all waiting for her. And the article is saying Disney is suspending Finch over allegations of faking cancer until an investigation is completed. Finch did not wait for that investigation. She immediately resigned. <gasps> So where are these allegations coming from? Oh, no. Well, it was from Jennifer Beyer. Oh, she stole her life story. The words. And I hope you didn't believe anything I have told you in this episode. Because <gasps> just like Finch, I'm a fucking liar. I so. fucking hate <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <gasps> I feel like I just watched the movie. <laughs> Oh my gosh, she's a she's terrible. She's a <laughs> terrible piece of shit. I felt bad for a little jokey joke. This bitch is terrible. She's a whole fraud, a scammer. <gasps> she was shaving her head. Oh my god, this bitch is sick. This bitch is sick. To understand, we have to go back. Back her to mama? December 27, 2018. <gasps> no, not that far. Okay, okay, okay. Ooh, thank God. You reeled me in. We're December 27, 2018. So we're like going back a year. Okay. Jennifer <laughs> Byer was driving down the road and she has two of her sons in the back. Now this is Jennifer, not Finch. This is Jennifer. Before the clinic. Before okay, before everything. Okay. Out of nowhere, Jennifer Byer pulls over and gets out of the car, leaving her two boys in the back seat. A few minutes later, she walks into a field, realizing she doesn't know where she is, and she doesn't know where her kids are. Okay. 
she calls the police and the police find her kids within minutes in the car and Jennifer was reunited with them. And then she gets a call from Child Protective Services wanting to talk to her and she goes in thinking she's going to explain it, say she's been under a lot of stress. She had an episode. She doesn't know what happened, but she does get her five kids taken away from her. Jennifer at this time was in the middle of a nasty divorce from her husband of 18 years. Damn, I was just about to ask, was she a single mother? Jennifer, a registered nurse, claims years of abuse and gaslighting from her husband, Brendan. She claims Brendan would tell people she's suffering postpartum depression and making up lies anytime mm. she would try to tell people about the abuse. Damn. When they start to divorce, she gets a restraining order against him. But all the stress and abuse from the divorce led to her having a disassociative episode that led mm -hmm. her to the clinic where she met Finch. Because I was about to say, I was like, if she walked in a field and then didn't know where she was, yeah, it definitely sounds like she was not there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that's tough because these things tend to happen. I just tend to believe Jennifer because I tend to believe women and I've seen those types of situations firsthand, but it's also that like high amount of high number amount of kids you've been together for a long time. Uh, and you, you, as when you start to, um, get away is when all your problems happen. That's why I think it's never, it's never a coincidence when you, when you say that a husband or another partner has been abusive to the other. Uh-huh. So she all that leads to her meeting this motherfucking Elizabeth Finch. Fincher. So while there, Brendan is arrested for something else and the kids go into foster care. Damn. After six months at the facility, she meets Finch or Joe. When she opened up to Finch about Brendan, Finch opened up about Eric, her brother. It wasn't until Finch's parents arrived that anyone there was aware that Finch had quote-unquote cancer. When Jennifer received threatening texts from her husband, Finch claims that after her parents left, they had left a photo album behind and look at that. Her brother Eric had left a threatening letter in there, which doesn't really make sense to me, but whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll try and like go. So the parents come visit, they leave, they uh -huh. leave a photo album behind and somehow they hit the brother knew they were gonna leave that photo album behind to leave a note that the parents wouldn't see but she would see yeah like, that doesn't make sense yeah that's a lot of risk yeah and you remember how finch claimed that her brother had committed suicide mm -hmm. where it was actually jennifer's estranged husband that died by suicide brandon uh-huh after so he trashes the family home after getting he he trashes the family home and then he so finch is telling her gray's anatomy that her brother died but in reality with jennifer he is very alive finch and jennifer are at finch's apartment and they arrive and finch left it dirty and alcohol bottles laying out and jennifer tells her she cannot stand the smell of alcohol it's not something she wants and Finch tells her, Eric must have broken in and damaged everything. He left these bottles. He left it a mess. Okay, Elizabeth. <laughs> you can't convince everybody. That's why you're a writer and not an actor. Because <laughs> uh, 
just not even seeing you say that, but hearing those words, I know you, bitch, you a liar. <laughs> These motherfuckers came. They, they broke in and didn't take anything. They just planted alcohol bottles everywhere. <laughs> it's, I feel like it's something you have to be like directly in the middle of to think like, how did you not see this? Yeah, you have to really have a lot of faith and trust in your friend as well as as me. Well, you have to have blind faith and trust in your friend as well as uh, disregard any red flags or intuition. Because I feel like you would have a little bit popping up in your brain and you would be silencing that if you didn't think any of this was suspicious. And when the kids are going to come back home... Finch flew over to where they were living and helped clean the house with other nurses and people of the community. And when she went there, she told everyone how she missed the Emmys to come help. Only the problem was the Emmys were two weeks prior. You bitch. See, and that's why we don't we don't trust Elizabeth with S's. I'm sorry. <laughs> she ruined it for all of y'all. Uh, not oh my gosh i really want to help my friend and this is great miss the emmys though and then you didn't even like you're a pathological liar you didn't even miss them yeah <sighs> and they do end up engaged who jennifer and finch what yeah this turns a lesbian star it, it turns lesbian <laughs> Turn to the nice lesbian lady story. Okay, let's see what they can engage. I forgive you, Finch, for now. <laughs> the glass started shattering for Jennifer when Finch experienced kidney stones and had to go to the hospital. She wasn't telling the doctor she had cancer or that she was already missing a kidney. Mm. And Jennifer's After- like, you gotta, you gotta let these these motherfuckers know this. <laughs> yeah, worry. <laughs> She tries to find the doctor, and the doctor's like, okay, we're going to run some tests and see what's going on. And after the test, Jennifer claims she asked the doctor how how she doing with kidney stones. And she says, the doctor looked at her, asked her, are you guys married? And she says, we will be soon. We're engaged. And the doctor looked at her in the face and said, her kidneys are fine. Stressing (laughs) the plural. Kidneys. (laughs) Kidneys. <laughs> Sorry. This doctor is my type of doctor. It's so illegal, but you said I just can't I can't see another motherfucker go down. <laughs> Her kidneys are fine. Damn. I can't tell you nothing, but I can tell you that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Damn. And when Jennifer asked Finch about it, she said he must have misspoke and the doctors always dismissed her pain. Jennifer and Finch would soon marry, but Jennifer had more doubts. Oh, Jennifer, why you marry? <laughs> the biggest one came when she was strolling through her Facebook. And the day Finch claims she was picking up her friend's remains off the floor of the synagogue after the shooting. Oh, shit. On her Facebook, it shows that she was out with a friend. And the day before, she was out with a friend. So she wasn't there. Jennifer, Get her ass up out of here. I get, you, get your ass up out of here. It's too sloppy with the lies, too. Oh, my gosh. And then you claimed you had PTSD. Oh, you bitch. 
Jennifer saw old photos of Finch when she was bald, and she noticed she still had eyelashes and eyebrows. And Jennifer, being a registered nurse, she knows that a lot of people who go through chemo end up losing their eyelashes and eyebrows. And another thing, the medicine. One day, Jennifer was asking Finch, like, not to alarm suspicion, but, like, what are you on? Like, what medicine are you taking? Like, I really should know if if anything happens to you. And she said she tried it before and Finch got defensive, but this time she like was trying to be really nice to her about it. And Finch like didn't think anything of it. So she opened up and she told her medicine. And remember, Jennifer is a registered nurse. So she knows uh-huh. this medicine, they would not be giving you if you have one kidney. This uh-huh. medicine's not for that. And the port scar that um, Finch is supposed to have, yeah. She's never seen it. All she sees is a wrinkly old band-aid over it. Wrinkly but, old bit. Damn, she ain't got that. She, she ain't she probably ain't had no abortion. <laughs> well, of course. When Finch asked her about the cancer, she says, I had cancer once, but I got healed and it went away. But then she confesses it was actually when she was that meek little writer in the writing room, she had a knee replacement surgery and she got hooked to the attention. Damn. And that's, that's why she came up with the cancer and she already knew the information because she already helped three people and she already Damn. researched it all. And Jennifer is saying, you have to confess. You have to confess. I can't live with these lies. I can't do that. So she does a first round of confessions to like Jennifer's friends, and they just—they're okay with it. They're fine. But when this comes- is how you know that that's not real. Why are you confessing to these friends, bro? No, confess to the people who you lying, lying to, bro. Yeah. The reason why you got your job. So when she says like you should confess to your parents, you should. Oh shit! Yeah. Well, yeah, you should confess to the writer room. You should confess something. It's a no. It's a no for her. That's and, your first round, bitch. Not my friends. What the fuck my friends care? And now she's worried that this is going to affect her her custody. Because she does have custody of her kids. But she's still sharing custody with the state. Like, So if she's like worried that this could get out and it's going to damage everything. that she's also worried that Finch is going to try to make Jennifer look like like she's the crazy one. Like, oh, Jennifer is saying I'm lying, but really she's lying. Yes, because you already putting it on doctors and putting on brothers and all this other. Yeah, Jennifer. Jennifer, you should have got out a long time ago, but now that you know, you got to leave. People always want to... This is the problem. Y'all sitting there believing in human beings and humankind, thinking they're going to do the right thing. Psych, I will do it for you. (laughs) (laughs) I do not believe in that shit. When it comes to a me and you situation and you have already proved that you will pick you, I am no longer putting you in the driver's seat of any decisions, let alone your own. Bitch, I will tell the writer's room. Fuck you. Oh, yeah, and... That stuff that she was using for Joe Wilson's story arc in Grey's Anatomy <laughs> that she stole from Jennifer. Uh-huh. Jennifer did not know that until she saw it on the TV. 
That's crazy. You didn't even tell your woman after you came clean that you also used her story. That's crazy. Like, I mean, the least you can do. Cut me in on the con. I can't stand yeah. a selfish bitch. Well, she she liked the attention. Yeah, she is selfish. Duh. The article comes out and it brings her world crashing down. But some other things come out, too. Oh, no. About the writing room. So... Remember how Finch was like this more she was in her in her zone in the Grey's Anatomy writers room? Mm-hmm. Well, that's because according to some writers, it just says writers in the article, so I don't know who, but they were saying that since Finch had cancer, any like usually they're all talking over each other, like pitching ideas like a writer's room, you would imagine. But with Finch she was able to monopolize the time because she had cancer and she like <gasps> stick up to her and be like, Oh, well, I like this idea. It's you're sticking to a person with cancer. That and I just fucking remembered. You said she would fucking freak out if somebody mentioned God and oh my god, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> she would throw fit. If somebody says certain words or went and get uncomfortable, knowing it was a whole lot to get attention, <laughs> bro. She's um, <laughs> allegedly on the scenes that she only like that she only has the writing credits on, that sometimes coincided when she had to leave for clinical trials for her cancer. <sighs> So she wasn't able to finish the script, leaving it to senior writers, and they would have to finish but not get any of the credit. What? <laughs> she was y'all just let the, this person con y'all because y'all scared. There were and see that's she, how I know she got hired because of the cancer and not the writing. Well, there, there were that, that proves it. They couldn't. They were so afraid and so not confident in their own hire that they couldn't even critique her. They couldn't I even say nothing. They didn't even check her, her her credentials. She was passed on her writing. Her on the merit Krista. of just her writing. Krista said, "Nah, bitch." But her and Krista soon became very close. Yeah, because we know what Finchie liked to do when she get close to him. Well, Jennifer, no. Now that I know. <laughs> There was also two cancer survivors in the writer's room, but she currently had cancer, so she trumped over them. <laughs> That's not funny <laughs> to laugh at, but damn, not not cancer's, no, it's, it's not cancer seniority, which it should be. Y'all gonna be playing terrible, like, office politics like this? Shit. And that Debbie Allen storyline, Finch was the one who pitched it to them. And she said, but it might be too too close to home. I might be too sensitive to write it. And when someone was like, oh, I could take off your hand. She's like, nope, I'll do it. Um, you are a liar. Because you, you got me all messed up. Literally everything <laughs> was a lie. <laughs> Every single thing was a lie. So that's why it was taking me so long to write this damn thing. Because I did not know how to write it. Because there's different, like different timelines, different storylines, and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh my gosh! 
Corey she Parker. sat there talking about how they, they, they said something and I was like, no, it's not about me. So oh. just to go all over it again, she never had cancer. Never. She was nowhere near the synagogue. Her brother did not co- did her brother did not die by suicide. He's very much alive. And she has come forward now. Like the Angler did an interview with her afterwards and she did admit that she had she faked cancer, but she has not changed her story about her brother and her about her brother being abusive when they were younger. And she says it's more more than normal sibling rivalry. And her brother, mom, and dad were reached out for comment, but no one, you know, no comment on their front. So I don't, she's trying to say she lied, but now she's realizing the reason she lied was because of the attention, but more so because of the trauma from her brother abusing her when she was younger. I mean, we, I don't know what the fuck to do with that. I, I don't either. He's, he's thrown everything into goddamn question. Yeah, like it's can we believe that? Because And the fact that the, the, the family's being quiet, it's like, oh well, they're they're probably just protecting their peace and they're not trying to put in any way they're not gonna go against or for it. This is a lot. I don't know. I just hope that overall homegirl Elizabeth with the S got some fucking help with the H. Um, I she do. did immediately go back to the clinic after she resigned from Grey's Anatomy. And hopefully had a court order for everybody to stay away from her as she forms unhealthy uh, manipulative attachments. Yeah, like it's... You can get a lot of help in those types of facilities, oh, but yeah. not when you're using a character and just telling lies. Jennifer now realizes that, you know, everything was made up. She was just telling her everything. Like, if she said, I had an abusive husband, I had an abusive brother. He did this, he did that. You know, it was like marrying her to mm-hmm. get her to like her. Damn. And she was calling herself Joe, her her future character and shit. Uh huh. Weird. I. Yeah. I mean, you really can't. I mean, I don't. Damn, this bitch is. <laughs> I feel bad insulting her more because I. She's go. She's but. No, she's terrible. Obviously, she needs a lot of help. That's what I, it is, honestly. Yeah. I just feel kind of bad for her overall. I feel sad for her. Yeah, because it's horrible to shit on her when she's not really... Yeah. ...hurting people. She's just lying to them. And Well, she was... She was... Uh, towards the end, she is... She could be potentially damaging somebody's reputation we honestly don't know because yeah. she has damaged her own reputation in turn she has and, and the, the have... lies were purely for her own benefit so they weren't helping i mean they weren't hurting anybody but she could have definitely been taking opportunities away from other people more deserving people because she was lying none of her stuff was um real and 
at least with the Grey's Anatomy job to me, and I don't care, it feels like she didn't get that on her own merit. You could say the the Vampire Diaries, the um, what was the other one before that? Uh, True Blood. True Blood. That was fine. Those were connections. That was her writing. But that Grey's Anatomy stuff, when she applied on her own merit, uh, it didn't happen. And then once this other stuff was mentioned, then she's she's rising in the ranks. So, yeah, I definitely think that she's not the best person. But, yeah, I'm not going to keep harping down on her. I just hope that she doesn't do that anymore. No, it's... I I really do feel sorry for her because this was over a decade long lie of having cancer. She could have ended having cancer at any point. She could have said, I was in a clinical trial, something worked. I was, you know, she could have made something up. But she wanted to keep on to it. And I, I feel it was because she got those extra perks in the writing room of. We need to give her her time. She can monopolize it. She gets a special chair. She can miss deadlines because she has to go to treatments. Damn. There was one time it said she told the Grey's Anatomy writer's room that she had to go to Hawaii for her brother's like son or something after he died. Okay. But she was really just going on vacation. <laughs> So it's like, like she just like is, is what she is. What I just don't understand. What's the whole point of going to the rehab facility or clinic or whatever you want to call it if she was there under a pretense? Was it just to get like a story? A, like a story that she can use, like ideas she can use in the writing room and kind of like a research project, I guess. Think so. I think a little bit, just because I don't see any other reason why she could have she could have lied and because they did. Okay, I don't imagine that they asked for proof that she was in a clinic. Uh-huh. They, so she could have went to a resort. She could have stayed at her damn house. She could have visited her family. She didn't. She intentionally checked herself into this clinic, and then not only went through the program for herself, quote unquote. She intentionally gravitated towards this person and spent all her time with this person learning their story and telling them a fake story in turn. And then she took all that information pretty much and used it to her benefit at her job when she returned. It had nothing else, but it was all for, it seems like it was all for the job. And then Jennifer being, I guess, a great person overall, just uh, was an added benefit in her life. Those types of lies, I just don't understand. She said in one of it, one of the times, like she was having someone take her to chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they can't go in because they're going to see she's not there for chemo. Mm-hmm. So she would tell them, "Oh, wait in the car, I'll come back." And she said she would just go in there and roam the halls, just kill some time. Like, what do you gain from that? It's like the attention, but you're. And for a lazy bitch like me, no, I ain't got like time just, to lie yeah. like that, bitch. It's it was just such a fascinating story to me, and I was gonna include her with other liars, but I was like, oh, this is like I want to include more details. So yeah, I'm I glad this was all about one. her. This was yeah. great. Um, I never knew, <clears throat> I never knew about this person, 
and seeing the timeline of which you paint of her joining Grace Anatomy, I, I definitely wouldn't have because this was past the prime I was watching. So I, I wouldn't have noticed her name in the credits. But you and know, maybe there's a reason for that. Oh my God. Was she scrubbed? Do they scrub her as well? No. Maybe the downfall is Elizabeth Finch's fault. <laughs> I'm crazy that because I hated the Joe Wilson storyline. Yeah, I wasn't really watching for that. I think I, I, the only Joe episodes I saw were because of you. Because oh. otherwise, I knew her as the girl who played Princess Kate in a Lifetime movie. And then I look up. Oh my up, God, really? Exactly. Yeah, she played Princess Kate in a Lifetime movie. And then I look up and she was on Grey's Anatomy. I was like, oh shit, okay. But that is all I have for Elizabeth Finch. Um, that's why I told you not to look up her name because as soon as you look it up, it's like it fraud, says, scam. It says the the Grey's Anatomy writer who faked her cancer. Oh my god. Okay, yeah, that would give it away. The, it's right. Oh yeah, that would have fucked your whole episode up if I even looked at her. In the I end. I know. I was I was so worried about that. Hi. <laughs> well, you, you were so. You were so tuned into pop culture. I'm like, oh, I, I, I doubt, I doubt it did her. That, that's my whole. I never have heard of this woman ever, and I was like, this is, because you said stranger than fiction. So the whole time you're you're telling me the sad story, I just have stranger than fiction bouncing in my head. Like, what the fuck did she do? She it sounds like me, a lovely person. It took me so long to decide what to put on there, <laughs> like. Her life Stranger is so fucking hard. <laughs> Damn. But thank you. Okay. So we like to uh, end our episodes uh, with a light-hearted piece of media that we've been thinking about. But before we get started, we usually give updates on past subjects. And this is going to be some sort of version of that. It's like media stories. So we're just going to talk about a couple of events that have happened the past week that either me and Jose have talked about by ourselves or that we have witnessed separately. And we just want to discuss them real quick. So, uh, number one, Rihanna Super Bowl. You know, I was going to ask you about it on the pod. Loved it. My girl, Riri. (laughs) Told you. I can dare try to (laughs) rewrite history. You better express yourself. Okay. What were your thoughts, honestly? So, Even now, you could do it if you still feel the same way, honest. I don't know. My mom always said, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. And. <laughs> okay. It wasn't the. I don't want to shit on Rihanna. I no. like Rihanna. We love her. I, I think Rihanna's very talented. She's a billionaire. She loves this podcast. She's a huge fan. Um, <laughs> she is. But I I really thought the performance was very, 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 very mid. And if there's anything I hate, is an average bitch. I would have rather it been horrible. I would have rather been great. But it was neither. It was mid. It was underwhelming. It was, I get she's pregnant when Beyonce was pregnant and she had to do Coachella. She postponed it because that was not the show she wanted to give. I think Rihanna, it's like when you go to school and you forgot to do your homework, so you do it in class before the bell rings. 
I that's how I thought about the performance. Mm. And I, I I'm not saying you can't like it. If you like it, good for you. I but what really irked me was seeing the huge praise of life changed. Oh, so good. Great Super Bowl. Best Super Bowl ever. She killed that. Great comeback. And it's like, it's not. Like, let's not kid ourselves just because she's amazing. Like, that is a slap in the face to all these other performers. Because if she can go on this stage and do that midship, okay. But it, it just wasn't, it wasn't given. Mm. Okay. Next subject. Well, no, no, where were you? It's like, what? I just... I, I don't want, like, I want people to enjoy what they enjoy. So me shitting on it is like, mm. Jose just affects a lot of his superstars. I mean, I think it's been years. <laughs> it's been a lot of years since we've seen Rihanna perform. And I think it was a great concert. So I do think it was a great comeback. I think those are valid comments. I do think it was a good performance. I don't think it was her best performance ever, but I still think it was good. It was serviceable. It was the Super Bowl. Some people give their all on the Super Bowl. And if you looked at some other shows, some people do not. But, you know, it's half and half. I think she did a serviceable job. Uh, I loved all the song selections. She's not, Rihanna's not a big dancer. She does some choreography, but she's not a breakdown eight count type of chick. So she doesn't have to be. I didn't but, ask her to be. Katy Perry is not that type of girl either. And she had, you know, people were talking about that for days, weeks. Yeah. And I was not one of them. That Katy Super Bowl was not trash, but that was not anything to write home about. Really? That was your comparison? Katy Perry? Bleh. That shit was. Adele's not a dancer. Adele didn't do a halftime show, so she can't be in this comparison story right now. But that Katy Perry one, I can't believe you really even said that. I would take Rihanna 17 times over than that halftime of Katy Perry. What was the best part? Missy Elliott, right? Anyway. Yeah. I can't believe you got me started on that. <laughs> I That's how I'm not a huge fan of Katy's Super Bowl performance either. I just thought it was good. I think people were um, – I think some people were, were rightfully – uh, criticism, criticism, criticizing Rihanna's performance for maybe not being as uh, hard hitting as others before her. But Thank I think you. also there was a lot of people, a specific part of people who um, didn't like how Rihanna acted towards the NFL in the past and took this as opportunity of people not liking her performance and just shitting on her as a absolute person performer uh all around and that was unwarranted which i get that i but i'm I, giving I her a solid five <laughs> i don't know if i would give it a rating i would do for 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 shows it's usually enjoyable or not enjoyable especially for halftime shows i don't watch a lot of them i would say this one was a good one it, I, mean, I would say it's on par with maroon five and justin for like Oh my gosh, Jesus fucking Christ. It's and not the Janet Justin Timberlake one. You. Yeah. Damn. Well, In my opinion. That's your opinion. Me. Feel free to share your opinion. What did you think about <laughs> it? I, I would love to see it. Okay, so next one. Damn. Okay, it's kind of two things. First of all, let let's okay, so Chloe Bailey mm. talked about doing a Chris Brown collaboration. They have a song coming out later out in the month. Later in the month. And everybody was 
in uproar because, uh, uh, you know, people hate Chris Brown because he's a abuser and this and that and all that, which we've talked about in the episode. But before we get into the Chris Brown part, I want to address the Haley, the Chloe and Haley situation, which is, I feel like, especially on social media, specifically Twitter, everybody acts like they want Hallie and Chloe to succeed and that they really are rooting for them. But the moment that these people like make any decision that is not like with the flock or not something that they would do or not representative of this, this and that, they just like shit on them. Like they're held to this like ultra high standard. And then y'all talk about stuff like uh, Chloe must not want to succeed. And Hallie, like I get it. If they're working with somebody you don't like, whatever. But it's not like she's doing anything to the public. All she's trying to do is sing. And they are just shitting on them. But they don't support them at the same time because they were talking about how Chloe's latest singles haven't been charting. So it's like, I, I just felt some sort of way about the internet going in on Haley and Chloe for being human and trying to support them, but at the same time not supporting them. But then that brings me into the Chris Brown situation. Yeah. Did you hear about that? I did. I was devastated. So you are somebody who feels like maybe this isn't a good move for her or you just don't like Chris Brown, period. I said, please don't do this to me, Chloe. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Okay. I have always been their fan (laughs) ever since I discovered them before Beyonce. 100% actually watching them on YouTube before Beyonce yeah and I have spoken how On Godly Hour is one of my favorite albums in Mm -hmm. recent years and I have supported them in everything they do when she came out with what was that one music video with Tina I know what you're talking about but I don't know which I don't know (laughs) when she came out with that one I watched I think it was like Have Mercy or something yes yeah I watched it a thousand times I listen to their performances. I have always supported them. I think people are harder on them because they are seen as the good girls. The the more they were more reserved, and I think that kind of comes from seeing them grow up. Oh, you're not supposed to be like that. You're supposed to do this. Mm -hmm. Ever since parasocial relationship came too strong, Chloe's team is trying to figure out who is. Yeah, they're trying to chart with Chris Brown and the people that seem to be supporting Chloe are not the people who are supporting Chris Brown. So they maybe it was her team, maybe it was her, maybe whoever. But that I feel like is where the divide is coming from of of all this hatred towards her. Yeah, specifically, I, I get she's extra. I get all that. And I, I don't know. I get. I think it's because of seeing them as kids. We all kind of go through this thing of you're doing too much or you're doing this and why aren't you like this anymore? It's like you're not, you know, she's not going to be that little girl all the time. She's going to grow. She's going to go through different phases and the growing pains that us with our parasocial relationships have to go through. I get that. I just, yeah, I just had feelings about that. So, um, 
And I, I mean, I, I don't think she should be honestly working with Chris Brown either. Cause like you said, I don't think that that's really her audience, but I, I think along the lines of what you're saying, but I feel like her team is like, well, this audience who you've catered to and have been putting out music for, they're not feeling this. So let's try to bring in another type of audience with this collaboration. Figuring, because yeah. the thing, truth be told, what, Under the Influence or whatever his new song is, is all over the radio. So despite people not mess, quote unquote, messing with Chris Brown, all his music is on the radio and is charting. So they're figuring, shit, this ain't working, but we're trying to get her some popularity, some success. Maybe a collaboration could work between the two. That's what I feel like, I feel like maybe is happening. But yeah. And I'm not knowledgeable enough on the subject, but I have seen a few threads that you could probably find on Twitter where <laughs> it is people saying like Chris Brown is using black women specifically in the R&B scene to kind of make his way back into mainstream. And I mean, that makes, if they have like a list of names of black female artists when they're first starting and when, you know, they chart with Chris Brown, like it's like a thing. It's like a rite of passage that these R&B girls are doing or pop girls. You're right. You're right. Specifically black ones that it's like, you want to chart, you know, I'll go with the abuser. Okay. Now it's a win-win. You chart and people love him again for a little bit. And then people, same cycle. Why are you fucking with Chris Brown? Oh, Chris Brown's not getting his flowers. Let's, you know, it's, it goes again. Yeah, I'm thinking, because right off the top of my head, you got Janine Aiko, who worked with him. You got Seven Streeter. You got her. Normani. Normani did one with him, too? I think so. And I just love her got name. Chloe. Dang, okay. I told you, I'm not educated oh, even enough LMA, on the field. I think, I don't, is LMA? I think she's half black. Okay, yeah. But yeah, there. if you look it up, you could find it easily, I'm Dang, sure, on any of the think socials. About that. But yeah, so, okay, so that's th- that situation spiraled into a whole different situation. So Chris Brown went on Instagram and vented his feelings about, you know, suck mm. his dick disrespectfully mm. and you know, y'all ain't going to tell me this and that. And y'all is getting on me. And I'm not the only person who's done fucked up shit. And this is a mistake from when I was 17. Blah, 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 blah. All the stuff he usually says every time people criticize him. And um, I said, oh, and then he mentions the fact that, you know, y'all won't forgive me for this mistake. But y'all love to watch Blueface and Krishan hit each other upside the head, basically. And then who steps into the chat? No other but Blueface. <laughs> <laughs> and I do not like Blueface or Krishan, but I hate that Blueface is so stupidly entertaining by being stupid. Didn't he say, like, you beat the wrong one? He said, you beat the wrong bitch. Oh. He said, you just beat the bitch who did the Super Bowl. He said, I got somebody from my element, from my hood. I got one of these ghetto bitches, basically. Crazy. I could not believe he said that. And then you got Krishan in the back chirping like this man didn't just say that your baby ain't his. Yeah. The the thing I see the most that's taking off with Chris Brown's response, though, is the whataboutism. Yeah, and the fact that he's only mentioning Rihanna when we fully know. That's the fucking thing. Like We know about uh, that Karuchi. 
And that's that's very much more recent. And all these other ones that we covered in our episode, the ones we didn't cover, or mm-hmm. if it's like if it's there's smoke, there's fire, there's so much of these almost this, almost that. But it's like, dude, just shut up. Just like I don't understand like shut up, just shut up, shut up. <laughs> The people that complain about it are never to listen to him. So just cater to your fans, I guess. Like, just shut up about it. Yeah, that's what I I keep thinking. It's like, Chris, you got to stop feeding the beast. I understand these people are talking about you, and that is irritating. You do want to respond. But he's responded so much that at a point you really just got to give them what they – you got to not give them what they want. Like, you want people to truly leave this alone. You have to stop feeding into the narrative as well. Responding and getting mad. Whether it's valid or invalid criticism, it's going to be spoken. So don't make yourself look more um, in the wrong, more guilty, whatever, by um, trying to win an argument you can't win. Because you can't win an argument on the Internet. You've already lost once you responded. So unless you want that attention, that's the only good thing it's for. And people also, are always like, you want to protect your name and your reputation, but you're not you're not doing that. All you're doing is marring it further. Yeah. And it's just stupid. It's, it's the stupidest thing. And yeah. didn't he attack that one girl from 3LW? Oh, yeah. Keely Williams was, she chimed in on the situation saying that, Chloe, this Chloe Chris collaboration was not good, and he's using black women to get in the mainstream. Basically, along the lines of what you said, and it it came across Chris Brown, and he went off on her. He said, "I think I even screenshotted because it was that bad." I said, "God damn!" The thing that bugged me though is don't act like that song isn't good. And second, I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> she will always be forever known as the promise the promise the girl it's, it's over for unfortunately second they were using it's like the story is they were using a pitch correct thing that that's why her voice sounds like that you can argue if she has a lisp or not because i've seen people argue that because she's come out several times saying why it sounds like there's a list yeah i think it's a combination of both yeah it, I like, think she I had a little she bit a of a lisp. One. Yeah, I think she had a little bit of a lisp, and that whatever they did on the song at that exact moment of the incident, it did make it more pronounced. And I just love that song. Yeah, but Kelly Williams <laughs> is a menace herself, so her jumping in on Chris be, uh, on Chris didn't look good either. It just put her back out in spotlight too. But yeah, it's okay. Was, when we're taking out the trash, anyone can help. That oh, there you go. Even the fellow trash men uh-huh. and women and non-binary. Yeah, I was gonna say them and, and but it didn't work. It didn't work, so <laughs> I retracted it. But yeah, so that was it. Um, Blueface's mama chimed in, and I only wanted to mention that because I had to say it on record. Blueface's mama is a weirdo. I cannot stand her. She's weird. Officially, she's one of those mothers. You said who, that on the episode as well and and i'm and i'm tripling down because i had time to think about if i was wrong about it but then when i saw her responses to the chris brown blue face thing i was like you're weird 
And she, she gives off one of those mothers who like views her child as her man, like, or, or continuously babies her child. But she's also like shitted on him in public too. And she just does too much on the internet. And I just wanted to say that out loud that she's, she's weird. And I know why Blueface does not respond to her because she's weird. You know who else is a weird mother in the news lately? Who? You know her. She's worse than a motherfucking storm in Japan. Tokyo Tony. <laughs> She's been so weird lately, and I have not even. She scrolled. Did you see the video of her That's the one I saw the... with asking for money. <laughs> she, sc she, sc she scrolled through the messages and was mentioning all the shit she be saying to China, but did not say out loud that she was she asked for that 3400 repeatedly and then she just started laughing and this, I, she, she saw it was on the video she's like yeah and uh the, the, i'll be i'll be sending her lots of shit be, <laughs> she never respond was that alive it, i don't know what it was because it, it feels like a video like girl edit that out i definitely think it could have been just a regular video but she probably does not edit anything <laughs> Tokyo, yeah, you're right. She's another mother. I don't even. She's so out there. Sometimes I don't even want her on my radar. She's she's scary. worse than a motherfucking storm in Japan. Yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> I still hate that fucking story, <laughs> but I love it at the same time. I just think even if Black China is a demon, if I'm Black China, yes, take me away from her. I want to join the. I, I want to be where the demons are. <laughs> <laughs> Two celebrities that show that have been on our podcast and their mothers probably made them yeah. the reason they have appeared on our podcast. Yeah, but sorry, that's that's in for the uh, that's it for the media stories. Let's hop back into our regular scheduled media where we talk about something that brings us light sunshine and um truthfulness and honesty <laughs> in an episode of such would you like to go first okay my media is because it made me think about it on this episode okay the tv show seventh heaven interesting there is a scene so it's seven kids matthew mary luke lucy simon ruthie and adult happy and <laughs> oh, and then the twins. Don't forget about the twins. They came later. But there's a scene where Mary is like getting in trouble and they're about to send her away. And instead of like going home and dealing with it, like I think she like overspent on her credit cards and was doing all that stuff. Instead of going home or looking for a job, she just like kept going to the movies. And <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, that just reminded me of when Fitch went to the play instead of doing anything. Because <laughs> I would do this when I'm most stressed about something, I take a nap. It's like, it's like, I think it's a way to cope. You just like shut down, just ignore it. Mm -hmm. But Seventh Heaven was always a nice show. It's always been a show that I liked, even though it was corny and cheesy and had, oh my God, one time I smoked pot episode and yeah, so stupid. And then you know, the molestation with the dad. The that father, was, yeah, that father yeah. turned out to be the worst fucking TV father in history is crazy. 
Yeah, which we talked about more in depth before on a another you know, episode. That was on our long Patreon. We are going to do Patreon again. <laughs> One of these days. We have time. We can barely really record. <laughs> <deserve> it. <laughs> but I just I always love that show. After I did the research for the father, I forget his real name right now. Reverend Camden, but I forget his real name. Yeah. I haven't been able to watch it, but it's just it's it's such a wholesome show and it's so corny and I don't know why I love it. Mm. But that's mine. Okay, 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 okay. Did you watch Seven Heaven? I did. It wasn't one of my shows shows, like but I knew about it and I, I watched a few episodes and then it was I guess it was like maybe too friendly for me. Because mm-hmm. I shortly stopped, but I did, you know, always recognize when the other actors were in other things. Uh, yeah, I still do. And I still call all the actors by their seventh heaven thing. Mm, see? Yeah, I like anytime I see Mary, I call her Mary, even though her name is. What is her name? <laughs> Just, Justin Timberlake's wife. Um, Jessica Beale. Jessica Beale. See, you got me. I was going to say, who the fuck is <laughs> me? Oh. Yeah, she'll always be married to me. Okay. Okay, I was trying to get my media because you know, I was trying to get a, a fact about my media. But I, I can't. It won't tell me. He takes Where that 5%. No, I'm trying to <laughs> You are silly. Get on my nerves. So uh, my my media was this uh, corny song. One of those, you know, I could treat you better than him songs called Gallery by Mario Vasquez. And um, you know when you're like on one of your old sites on Spotify or whatever, you go through all your old playlists and you find all those songs you used to listen to. So that's basically what I had did and I had found it. And Mario Vasquez was on American Idol. And I was, this, oh, it was season four, which I think is the Carrie Underwood season. And that season, I was not rooting for Carrie Underwood. I was rooting for Mario. And then one time I turned on the TV and he wasn't on the show anymore. And I was devastated. And then like a year later, he came out with this song. And um, I re-rediscovered it. Re, re, re it. And I think it's just a nice corny little song. Uh, but then I looked up how he was disqualified. And now I'm thinking, maybe a little problematic. Yeah. Did you want to say how he was? Oh, well, <laughs> the controversy was that he uh, allegedly sexually assaulted another employee of Fremantle Media. And when they found out about it, they let Mario Vas- Vasquez go. But Mario has denied all those claims and then in turn, I guess, left. Yeah. What happened? But um, the employee filed a lawsuit, and apparently nothing happened. A nothing burger. Yeah, maybe one of those settlement situations. Uh-huh. They put a hold on the lawsuit, so usually so that they could talk and mediate stuff. But yeah, so a little problematic media with a good little song attached to it. That's what it. was the song again? Oh, shit. Did I even mention it? <laughs> You, you said it. You said it. Oh, okay. It's called Gallery. That would be I'm, embarrassing if I really I'm did. pretty sure you said it. If I didn't, that's You said his name at least. Um, but another little meteor that I'm going to throw in for you listeners. Carrie Underwood. B. 
before he cheats. Love it. Is the song that Katrina would belt out for us. <laughs> and sing so well that we would always sing, please sing it, please sing it, please sing it. And she would only bless us with ter her Terry Underwood singing very seldomly. Bro. So every time I hear Terry Underwood, I always think that's Katrina. <laughs> to be fair, having a whole bunch of mostly white people. <laughs> we were, we were sing, diverse groups. It wasn't mostly again. white. Some of us. <laughs> it felt it was the white people time. mostly asking you, though. It was. But I did. I love some Carrie Underwood before he cheats. I mean, I like a lot of early Carrie Underwood before uh -huh. he cheats. That's the only Carrie Underwood song I got Trisha to like. I remember one time in the hallway, you were just like really going to town on it, like the best performance ever. And I, I was blown away. <laughs> And you never told me until this very moment. You said no, I, I remember thinking, because I was jealous, I'm like, this bitch, I'm over here singing all the time, <laughs> sounding horrible, and she's <laughs> hiding this voice of godliness. Of, I, I don't know. Like, it, it was very, it was Carrie Underwood, but, you know, you put a little church in it. You <laughs> oh, not the church. You put a little choir into it. Hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Uh, one day we'll get that recording. Hopefully. Before he cheats, Katrina's version. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening. It's been wonderful. Um, tell me if I got you guys. Were you surprised by the twist? Yeah, did you see it coming? Because I actually did not. I did not see the fucking fairy tale illusion being shattered before me coming. I, I did not see it. So I we I would love to know what everybody else thought about this story. It's fucking us, crazy ass story. <laughs> let us know. Our email is at saveyourstory at gmail.com. Also, let us know if you like these updates. For sure. We, we do them every now and then, but we will include them more, even if it's not about a topic we have covered. Usually we just do it on people we've covered. Mm -hmm. So if it's like a little small story, we might, if you guys like updates, we'll give you updates. And we might hide it behind a paywall once we start doing Patreon. But right now, it'll be free. <laughs> we'll be your news reporter. <laughs> um, our Twitter is Save Your Sorry. The your is spelled you are. And our Instagram is Save Your Sorry. It's spelled just like the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please leave a review. Please leave a rating. Please tell someone. Word of mouth is everything. Word of mouth is everything. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Bye-bye. See ya. Well. I've... Jesus. Damn, are you okay over there? The fucking cats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. No. Mine has disappeared around the corner. She was jumping at the shadow of herself on the wall earlier, so I wonder if that was heard. I think Nola just tried to attack Tangi and she like fell. <laughs> That's what you get, bitch. <laughs> uh -huh.